0: Hello and welcome to the Virtual Midwife Podcast, a show for pregnant women who want to make informed decisions about their health and the health of their babies. I'm your host, the Virtual Midwife, Karen Wilmot, and having worked in hospitals, communities and independently around the world, in this podcast I share some of the many lessons I've learned in the labour room. I'll be interviewing thought leaders and change makers, each one of them quietly fueling the silent revolution to restore normality to childbirth, to support women's choice and restore respect. I work with women online and in person via my online platform, thevirtualmidwife.com. Follow me on social media and subscribe to my YouTube channel, The Virtual Midwife, to get more tips and tools and techniques for labour and birth. So I am delighted to have Jen McClellan with us today, who is a published author, speaker, and she's the founder of Plus Size Birth, which is the premier resource for all things plus size pregnancy. She has over 4 million page views and she's passionate about plus size pregnancy, where she shares tips on embracing your body and navigating the bumps along the road of motherhood. Via her Plus Mommy podcast and social media outlets, she seeks to create an environment Of acceptance and end the stigma surrounding plus size pregnancy with education, support and a sense of humor. I'm so happy to hear that. She's also a certified childbirth educator, wife and a mother to a charismatic eight-year-old. So delighted to have you on the show today, Jen, and thank you so much for joining me. I'd definitely just like to start out by asking you what made you start the site initially? Where did the idea come from and how did it Become what it is today.
1: Oh, sure, of course. Well, like many people, after finding out I was pregnant, I went onto the internet. Uh, I told my partner first, (laughs) but then I then I went onto the internet and I quickly learned that being plus size and pregnant is so dramatically different. Uh, I read that I would develop complications, including gestational diabetes. I would have a cesarean birth. And thanks to the comment sections, I read that I was a horrible person for wanting to become a mother as a fat woman. And there was just so much negativity online. But I had been a bigger girl most of my life, and I wasn't going to let that set the tone, even though, you know, deep down, it it pretty stung. And I wanted to have a natural childbirth. That was important to me, but I didn't really know what that looked like. I ended up hiring a doula when I was about five months pregnant. I was doing water aerobics with a friend and she had hired a doula. And so I had this woman arrive at my house who was about the size of my thigh, (laughs) very tiny woman. And she was the first person to basically tell me to get over my size, that I was having a healthy pregnancy and I was being extremely proactive with my health and my nutrition and being physically active. And I could absolutely have a healthy outcome. And, you know, why was I assuming that I was high risk. And she said something that changed my life, which is exactly what you do, Karen. And she said, you need to learn about the midwifery model of care. (laughs) And it was a radical change that changed my whole life. So I went from standard OB appointments that were about 15 minutes. I was never shamed because of my size, but I didn't ever feel empowered. Uh, It was basically like, we'll just follow this trajectory. And then I met with this midwife who um, I would say that this woman touched my body with compassion. And it was the first time in my life at the age of 30 that a care provider had ever touched my body with compassion. And that was radical. And this midwife had more belief in my body than I did. But as my pregnancy progressed, I started to believe in these women who believed in me. And I ended up having a completely healthy pregnancy and a, a natural childbirth that I so desired. And I gave birth on my knees in a hospital and was completely transformed. And so after settling into motherhood, although I joke, I'm still settling into motherhood and my son's eight, uh, I was. it was April of 2011. And my son was a few months old and I decided to start a blog, having no idea what a blog was. I just wanted to tell my story. And I never could have imagined uh, that telling my story would transform my whole life and create a a different whole plan for my life. Uh, That it quickly grew from well beyond just me telling my story to a whole website full of resources and becoming certified as a childbirth educator and public speaker and the whirlwind that has been the last almost eight years. Uh, But it all unfolded from me being so discouraged that there weren't positive evidence-based resources online about how to have a healthy pregnancy when you're a person of size, which is ridiculous because I I needed to see images of pregnant people my size. I needed to know where I could find maternity clothes, I needed to know that I deserved access to a size-friendly care provider. So I've essentially created the resource that I was so desperately searching for all those years ago.
0: I mean, that is such a beautiful story. And the words that really stick out for me is that your midwife touched you with compassion. And I can just imagine what a profound change that had or profound effects it had on you and how it changed, as you say, the trajectory of your pregnancy and your birth and in in many ways, your life.
1: Oh, absolutely. It continues to influence me. Like I recently um, was horribly fat shamed by a care provider. And instead of staying with that provider and accepting it, oh, they got an earful, right? Um, Because I learned from that midwife that I deserve to be treated with compassion and I'm so much more than a BMI number or a number on the scale and that my health matters a lot more.
0: And another thing that you mentioned was that, you know, you started the blog, which I think is an incredibly brave and bold move and must have made you feel fairly vulnerable or was it done not realizing how many people would read it?
1: (laughs) I had no idea. I thought it would be fun. I thought, I knew I wanted plus size in the name of it. And the blog originally was called Plus Size Mommy Memoirs, which is ridiculous because that's the longest URL ever and people often can't spell memoirs. And so It it ended up becoming the website Plus Size Birth and the blog Plus Mommy. Uh, It got shortened over time, but the website Plus Size Birth came out very quickly after the blog was started because I realized that there was a need And I needed something that didn't sound as, uh, you know, like a memoir, but was actually plus-size birth would be a website where it would house resources around plus-size pregnancy. But I, on social media, was known um, as plus-size mommy memoirs, which is now plus mommy. And that was the most shocking thing was I started a little Facebook page thinking, oh, this will be fun if I get like 50 followers in a month. And I got 50 followers in like a day and then thousands of followers and then tens of thousands of followers. And now it's over 177,000 followers because when I launched, it was, we weren't having these conversations like body positivity and body love wasn't really part of our culture. Of course, people were talking about it, but it's not as mainstream as it is now. So having a conversation around you can be healthy and have a plus-size pregnancy, you can love your body and be a person of size, was still fairly radical in, that, in the pregnancy space too. So it just really exploded and I had some posts go viral.
0: And I know that there's a lot of bullying online and a lot of internet trolls and awful things that are said. Have you ever been victim to that?
1: <laughs> Daily? 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 Um, Yes, absolutely. Uh, I've really had to grow a very thick skin. Um, You know, when I started, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but I intentionally used the words plus size because I wanted people who were like me to find me and I knew that was the way to do it. What I didn't realize is that that would open the floodgates for me to be personally and professionally attacked. And in the beginning it was very, very difficult. And now I'm just like, oh, you're calling me fat. I am fat. Is that the best you can come up with? Like it doesn't, (laughs) it doesn't affect me in the same way. I'm like, uh newsflash, I know I'm fat. Thanks so much. Um, but it's a daily occurrence and I just block and I don't feed the trolls.
0: I am exactly the same because it's it's a waste of my energy and it's a waste of my time. But what are some other yes. hurdles that you faced and how did you overcome them and possibly even hurdles that you're still facing?
1: Well, I went from you know being more of a consumer advocate to becoming certified as a childbirth educator because I wanted to make a bigger impact. Here I have these resources for, you know, parents to be or parents to tap into, and I wanted to get in front of the professionals that are interfacing with pregnant people and have these tough conversations. And so that continues to be a moments of bravery and to be terrified of standing in front of people as a visibly very large individual and saying that we need to treat people of size with respect and we need to look at the evidence around plus size pregnancy. And while there are increased risks, it doesn't mean that everyone will incur these risks. and. So I've of course been, you know, challenged on a lot of things and assumptions made about people of size that we just don't care about our health that we, you know, are irresponsible to become parents when we are people of size. But I've seen a, a good shift over the past few years, and in fact, two years ago I was invited to present at the National Institute of Health here in the United States to uh, an initiative that they're rolling out with obesity and pregnancy. And here I was speaking in front of ACOG (laughs) and I was the guest presenter. And it was an amazing experience because I was just very vulnerable in front of leaders of maternal health in the United States. And I even asked for a a wireless microphone because I didn't want to stand behind a podium. I wanted to stand in front and I wanted people to see my body and hear the passion in my voice and understand that if we treat people of size with compassion, We can radically impact not only their pregnancy, but the rest of their lives. And the minute we shame a person of size while providing medical advice, we're no longer getting through to people. They're no longer listening, and it's not beneficial. And we actually have studies to show that when we shame people, they are more likely to gain weight and less likely to receive routine medical care. So shame is not an effective tool.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And I, like I say, I just think you're incredibly brave and bold. And I can imagine the um, the depths of strength it must have taken to do that and an incredible achievement to have the opportunity to speak in front of ACOG as essentially a layperson, and to share your experiences. Yes, yeah. it, and I do believe be that consumer, that's where the changes take place.
1: Yes. And the fact when I first got the call, uh, we did a conference call to see if I was The right fit and to talk um you know it was so great and then they invited me to present and i was on this other call and i started crying i'm like i'm so sorry and this isn't very professional but i'm crying because you care what what people of size what parents what moms what we experienced and for so long we've just been dictated what our experience will be like and we don't feel like we have a voice so for you to want to understand the consumer perspective of being obese and pregnant it it blew my mind and we actually had a call uh, a week ago last just last week and they're rolling out the initiative in early um 2019 and they wanted to make sure I was still going to be actively involved and like here I am so honored <laughs> they're just like touching base um, but it's been an incredible uh, experience.
0: Absolutely and I love that on your website you know you really have broken it down into trying to conceive pregnancy a plus a pregnancy guide and some incredible resources for plus size women including maternity clothes.
1: Yes it's so frustrating so the number one question I get asked is where can I find cute and affordable uh, you know, maternity clothes? And then the number two is how can I find a care provider who will treat me with dignity? And I, I want it want to switch in order, <laughs> but if I can capture people by letting them know where they can find a gorgeous maternity gown for a maternity photo shoot, and then lead them into understanding that not only do they deserve to feel beautiful and look beautiful or however they want to present during their pregnancy, but that they also really deserve to connect with a care provider that is going to treat them with dignity and meet them where they are
0: at. And how do you go about finding those care providers? Because that in itself is an incredibly valuable resource.
1: It is, and I have, um, if people sign up for my newsletter, I have a free guide that they can download on how to connect with a size-friendly care provider. And you know what that looks like is, uh, I defined a size-friendly care provider as an OBGYN or a midwife who um, does evidence-based compassionate care and so how to find a care provider like that I do have a list of some people on my website that have been referred by other um, people who have had positive experiences but it's a pretty limited list so I have tips on how people um, can connect with a size-friendly care provider from reaching out to their plus-size friends to going on to local message boards and posting, hey, I'm plus-size and pregnant. Has anyone here had a great care provider? And once you have tips to narrow down who those care providers might be, then going to that office once you're there and really making observations, do they provide a place for me to sit comfortably? That shockingly doesn't happen as often as you think. And when I talk to care providers, that's something that I make very clear is you must provide chairs without arms or those larger benches. Because when someone arrives at your facility and they can't even sit down, you have made it very clear that they are not welcome there from the start. And then proceeding through, you know, does the blood pressure cuff is it large enough? Because we know that by using the wrong size cuff, we're, you know, basically people will get high blood pressure readings which is inaccurate so do they have the larger cups do they have a scale that goes up to a weight do they weigh you in a compassionate manner Um, are you treated with compassion is there are there gowns that fit you just kind of walking people through the process and then really most importantly a list of questions people can ask to really assess if their care provider is size friendly so often i hear stories of kind of a bait and switch, where in the beginning, people were okay, and at the end, it's, well, you need to have a cesarean birth because of your size. So to me, it's really important that we kind of ask questions like, what is your experience working with people of size, and listening to how these questions are answered. um, You know, often there's no right or wrong answer, it's how the questions are answered.
0: Mm, I couldn't agree with you more because Um, As you know, I work with expats where it's also fairly niche markets and even, you know, whether you're plus size or whether you're an expat, your pregnancy will progress in exactly the same way and you will face exactly the same challenges but in a different way and you have to ask different questions because of that. So, I think it's really just, I mean, your, your resources are incredibly valuable in just guiding everyone, as to know what to ask, how to ask, and what to look for. And the things yeah. that you points out are so valid and just make such a big difference. But also, as you say, you know, um, the way the care provider answers those questions and how much compassion is in them, and do they really care about what they're saying? Because the bait and switch thing happens everywhere, unfortunately, and, and oh. just as much in in terms of women who are wanting to have a natural birth, you know, where right up until week 34, of course, I'll support a natural birth. And then things start changing and, you know, fear, fearful statements are placed in and the word risk is started to use, be used more loosely and generously. Um, mm-hmm.
1: And induction. And induction. <laughs> and I might allow you to. <laughs> and language.
0: allow and big baby yeah. and small mm-hmm. pelvis and all these words that are, quite innocent on their own, but when used together in a sentence, make you fearful and just naturally steer you towards a C-section that is not necessarily the right decision for you in your situation.
1: Yeah, so true. I mean, you know, here in the United States, obviously we have a very high cesarean birth rate in other areas of the world as well. And, you know, we're not even following the, you know, who guidelines on how to um, help reduce those rates. It's very unfortunate for people of all sizes.
0: Well, I think that's what's so encouraging about hearing that you are actually working together with the ACOG because that's where change starts. So that's really, really great.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm still I'm still that girl that was crying on that first conference call, even though I've presented and I'm still working with them. It's been such a uh, an honor. Um, and I'm excited to see it roll out. They did focus groups. Um, I recommended focus groups around people sharing not only their experiences of interfacing with care providers as people of size, but one thing that I talk about a lot when I give public presentations is the language that we use. And the word obese is not a word that people enjoy hearing. While it's a medical term and very common in the medical community, when you call a person of size obese, basically shaming them and it doesn't feel good so talking about even reframing language between the care provider and patient and while i don't expect that change to happen overnight um i would be excited if we were training especially new nurses and care providers and midwives you know fresh out of school changing the language that we use and treating patients with compassion i know there are even classes on how to you know work with obese patients. And I hope part of that is the language that we use when we talk to people about their bodies.
0: That's really great and really relevant and very good that you bring that up because the whole language around birth needs to change. Just like we were saying earlier, you know, there's so much (laughs) that needs to change around birth just to make it less fearful and more normal and bring it back to being the life event that it is rather than a medical event.
1: Yeah, I am a massive champion of doulas and the midwifery model of care. Like every opportunity, like even in mainstream interviews that I do, I find a way to say doula and midwife. Um, And it's just still so shocking and sad to me that the percentage is so low of people who are, um, you know, working with a doula and a midwife and under the midwifery model of care.
0: And you know that from personal experience, what a difference that made for you So if you could describe your birth in one word, what would that be?
1: Transformative.
0: Beautiful. Because, and I love that so much because that's exactly why I do what I do, because I believe in the power of transformation that comes with pregnancy and birth. So that's so beautiful that you had that opportunity. Yes. Yes.
1: I often wonder, you know, what my life would look like now if I would have stayed with that same OB. A lot of my colleagues were with her at the time. And so I look back on that and they each had a cesarean birth. And I found out that she would only allow people to give birth on their back, which we know is not even evidence-based. So my story could have been so different and the the change was connecting with a size-friendly care provider. So I'm a big champion of that. And I'm not afraid to talk at conferences and say that I firmly believe that uh, care provider bias against people of size plays a role in the astronomical cesarean birth rate. Now, we're looking at nearly 50% for people with a BMI over 35. And if you have a BMI about 60, then it goes to 80%. So it's it's really high. And when we know that surgical birth is not the optimal outcome for especially people of size, um, there's a lot more complications.
0: Absolutely.
1: baffling Absolutely. to me as to why... I continue to hear stories from um, moms that were told on their first prenatal visit that they needed to have a cesarean birth. And I'm not talking about women 300, 400, 500 pounds. I'm talking about women 200 pounds and mm-hmm. under 300 pounds or maybe even you know 350 and under. But I think we have this idea that plus size pregnancy is the super morbidly obese. But within the medical um, community, we define obesity by the bmi chart which puts most you know not most but a very significant portion especially of the population in the united states over that line into overweight and obese so you know i can be supporting a woman who weighs 180 pounds who is being treated by your care provider as if she weighs 500 pounds
0: It's just not, not acceptable at all, it really isn't.
1: No, and the person who weighs 500 pounds should still be treated with compassion and dignity and have options. So, um, you know, that looks a little different, right? Because different equipment is needed and different resources, absolutely. But the, I would say the majority of people that I serve are, you know, well under 350 pounds.
0: And you were really lucky that you did find that care provider and that you were able to have a normal birth, but what preparation did you do with your pregnancy, both physical and intellectual, that you think helped you to achieve the birth of your dreams?
1: Yeah, there are three tips that I teach and that I personally did. And the first two are things that you talk about, Karen, I'm sure, and that everyone talks about, is to be proactive with your nutrition. You know, eat, eat foods that nourish your body and make you feel good. And we know that that can help help reduce increased risk as well as to be physically active and for me that was water aerobics. I fell in love with water aerobics and went three times a week religiously and I even did some prenatal yoga and those activities really helped me to tune into my body and my baby too. I used to love being in the pool and rubbing my belly and you know all those experiences of eating food that made me feel really good. Like I felt like I, I wasn't, I think we have a stereotype of like fat people just eat horribly. And I wasn't, I I was always cognizant of nutrition, but I was always dieting. So I was always really actually harming my body. And so for the first time in my life, I was eating food that was nutritious and made me feel good because I was nourishing myself and my baby and I wasn't dieting. I was eating healthy to feel good, not to lose weight. And that was also a radical shift. Uh, for me and helped me to kind of break up with diet culture in many ways. Uh, So eat nutritiously, we could do a whole episode on that, (laughs) eat nutritiously, be physically active. And then the third and of course, is to hire that size friendly care provider. And hiring a doula is definitely an offshoot of that.
0: (laughs) And what about your mind? How much emphasis did you put on preparing your mind during your pregnancy? And did it help or make any difference to you?
1: You know, I I would provide people with so much different uh, advice than I went through. I would say my mind wasn't where it needed to be, especially in the beginning, because I didn't have access to positive information or really a lot of birth stories that ended beautifully for people of size. I remember going to like the 15th page of Google and Google Images, searching to even find beautiful plus size maternity images. I, I, my belly looked more like a B than a D and I didn't know that that was normal. Um, so now you go to the plus mommy Instagram feed and there are, you know, hundreds of glorious plus size maternity photos. And that's very intentional. So people can see themselves as beautiful during pregnancy. And I didn't really have that belief in my body. I just knew Mom had natural childbirth. She always talks about how amazing it was. Now all of a sudden I'm pregnant and everything in my mind and my heart is telling me have an unmedicated birth. And I was also really afraid of not being able to move my own body. And I weighed 299 pounds when I got pregnant. So, you know, I was a visibly large person who's was pregnant. Um, so I was really afraid of people making comments or feeling vulnerable and exposed. And the shift in my mind really did start happening when my doula basically told me to get over myself and that why was I assuming that I was high risk? And then having that midwife that touched my body with compassion, but the transformation really didn't occur until I went through the birthing process. And I'll never forget how powerful it felt to birth my baby on my knees. And I remember at this one point, because I'd really gotten into the flow of natural labor. We, you know, we ride those waves and they peak and then we exhale them out. And you you just get into your your flow and it's so beautiful. And I just felt like I was just really love, not loving, but you know, experiencing birth in a way that I I knew I could and my body was doing this. And then when my midwife said, you know, climb up on the bed on your knees and let's have this baby, all of a sudden pushing was such a (laughs) <laughs> a different sensation than I was prepared for. And I really got out of that beautiful birthy mind into, okay, this feels different and I want it to stop. And I was fighting against it. And I remember my doula looked at me and she said, you know, trust your body and like, listen to your body. She said, listen to your body and, and to trust it. And I just, for a minute, I was like, I've, I've never done that she wants me to do something I've never done. Trust this body. I don't trust this body. This body fails me. This body is unacceptable. This body is fat. This body is, is not a good body. And then I realized if I didn't trust my body, then I wasn't going to be able to birth my baby. And I let go. And for the first time in my life, I let go and I trust my body and I birthed my baby in a half hour. And after that, I can no longer be ashamed of a body that can do something so miraculous. And, and from then on, it has been just, just, just transformed my whole life because I'm not going to allow care providers to make me feel badly about myself. I'm not going to allow internet trolls who call me, you know, fat and horrible all the time to to place those labels upon me. I'm not going to allow the own, my own narratives in my head that hold me back and make me feel bad about myself to continue to play out. Yeah, sure. I have my bad body days, but it's not every day. And so I guess that's a long way of saying I didn't, I wasn't kind to myself mentally during my pregnancy as much as I should have been, but now I hope people hear my story and all that I share for others. And I, you know, I know that I've made a difference in so many people's lives and for that I am forever grateful.
0: Absolutely. You certainly have. And and I can see why you so clearly say how transformative your birth was for you. Is there anything yeah. that you wish you'd known before about giving birth?
1: No much. But- So much, which is why I wrote the My Plus Size Pregnancy Guide that walks people through everything that they could want to know about being plus size and pregnant. You know, I, I wish again I had just had access to positive information. I wish I really knew what those increased risks were, but not only what they were, but how to reduce my risks. Like, you can Google and then you see gestational diabetes, preeclampsia, fetal macrosomia, which is big baby. Like, you see all of this, but but what does it really mean? <laughs> you know, what are those, what are the statistics and really what can I do to reduce my risk? Intuitively I was doing those things by eating great foods and being physically active. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know that at the time. Uh, and, and that I, again, deserved to be treated great and to know about the midwifery model of care from the very beginning.
0: Absolutely. So if you had to do it again, I'm not sure if you're planning to or not, and that doesn't really matter, but what would you do the same and what would you do differently?
1: The same would be being very proactive with my health, Um, you know, really paying attention to nutrition, being very physically active, um, staying active probably even more than those three times a week at water aerobics, also walking more. Um, And then differently, you know, hiring that doula from the very beginning, hiring that midwife from the very beginning. I know, you know, for me personally, experiencing natural childbirth really changed things. And I feel, I feel lucky that I was in a hospital that is actually a county hospital. So it's a teaching hospital and has a very low cesarean birth rate. And that's actually one thing that I teach people. It's not only important to hire a great size-friendly care provider, it's also looking at the medical facility because within, you know, a couple miles of one another, two different facilities can have dramatically different cesarean birth rates. Mm -hmm. So for me personally, I probably wouldn't have a hospital birth again. I would love to have a birth center birth, but there are BMI restrictions here in the States in different areas. So possibly a home birth, Um,
0: but creating that birth
1: environment (laughs) that is best for you know, the person who is pregnant, I think it's really important and something that I didn't, you know, I, I, I had actually, I will say I, I had considered a birth center in Colorado, and I knew to, to ask if there were BMI restrictions, and indeed there were. And if I wouldn't have asked and just shown up for that orientation, and that would have been my first experience of you're too fat to birth here, that also could have, you know, derailed kind of the trajectory of of everything, too. So, I'm glad that you know there are work to be being done in states like Colorado where this BMI restriction was, and now it has since been removed. So, mm-hmm. great work is being done because Absolutely. you know, as a midwife, Karen, you know, we need to meet people where they're at individually and provide that individualized, evidence based care.
0: Absolutely, I agree with that. And that's why I believe that's where the change happens because then we empower women to go out and make change, and it is is the woman who will make the changes eventually, who will drive that change. So you certainly are one of those people who are driving that change. And based on on all of the things that you've already shared with us and just um, going forward, what tips do you have for our listeners based on your experience? Besides the ones that the you've list- already shared, which are really <laughs> valuable about share, getting a doula and exercise and everything. But are there any other tips that you can share with us?
1: Yeah, I think you know, to the listener who is plus size and who wants to get pregnant or is currently pregnant, really have that belief in yourself and find your voice, You know, being your own best advocate for your child will come very naturally. You will research that pediatrician. You will stand up if people, you know, say things disparagingly about your child. So you need to do the same for yourself. Not only because that lays the example for your child to learn from, but you deserve it. You deserve to be treated with compassion. You deserve to love yourself you deserve to surround yourself with people who love you for who you are and don't make you feel ashamed about yourself.
0: I love that. Find your voice, find your voice and be your own advocate. That's really beautiful. So we're going to end off the interview with some quick fire questions, which are just short and sharp one word answers wherever possible. And I'm really looking forward to hearing your answers, specifically who your inspiration is and why.
1: My mother, because she helped me to always believe in myself and my abilities to, you know, chase my dreams and to believe that I could do anything possible. And also she had a natural childbirth with me and made me want to
0: pursue that as well. So she really did inspire to do do that and that was your early childbirth education was learning from your mother that it was possible and I just love that. Do you feel like a leader or a follower?
1: Oh, a leader.
0: I think so. (laughs) And the best piece of advice you've ever received?
1: My dad always said to don't be afraid to ask questions and the worst someone can say is no. And that has opened so many doors for me because not fearing that no and just going after things is incredible.
0: Is there a movie that you've ever watched about birth that you recommend to other people or that had a profound impact on you when you were pregnant?
1: I'm sure it's the one many people mentioned, The Business of Being Born. Even my husband, after watching it, was like, we should have a home birth
0: (laughs) well. What about books? Is there any book that you recommend or that you really enjoyed?
1: Yeah, I know know May's Guide to Natural Childbirth as I was preparing for that natural childbirth was
0: very helpful. Do you have a song that you either played when you were pregnant or that had an effect on you that you enjoyed or possibly even that you listened to when you were birthing your baby?
1: Jeff Buckley. There we go. Jeff Buckley's Hallelujah. Um, I'm not a religious person, but the song was very profound and it played while I was pushing. So anytime I hear that song, immediately called back to that just really empowered moment where I'm on my knees birthing my son.
0: Wow, that's a beautiful memory and a beautiful song. Yes. Do you have a birth quote that you used or that you particularly enjoy?
1: I feel, we, I feel awkward saying my own, but that that I, I will no longer be ashamed of a body that can do something so miraculous is a, something that I say all the time. And it kind of carries me through not only birth, but through my my life now when I'm struggling in different ways, I remind myself of my own power. <laughs> so I'll take my own. There are many wonderful quotes out there in the world, um, but that's one. And a, a quote that's not necessarily birth that I love and it's one of my mantras is, she believed she could. And so she did.
0: Oh, I love that one. (laughs) And so you did. And thank you so much for sharing your story with me and with our listeners. And please, can you share how people can contact you and get involved with you, work with you, find your resources?
1: Well, thank you, Karen, so much for having me on your show. And I'm so just in awe of the work that you do needed work. And so thank you uh, as well. I can be found at plussizebirth.com for all those great resources, as well as my book, the My Plus Size Pregnancy Guide. And then I also have a podcast, Plus Mommy. Uh, The tagline is from bumps to bellies. We talk about it all. And that's also my handle for my social media, as well as Plus Mommy. So plusmommy.com for the podcast and Plus Mommy on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, all those thank you for listening to this
0: episode of the virtual midwife podcast the show is available on audio boom itunes google play radio public and tune in if you've enjoyed it please share it and leave me a review i love to hear your feedback and i'm always looking for inspirational and uplifting stories to share make sure you sign up on my website and social media channels and let's share the love thanks for listening this is karen wilmot the virtual midwife signing off until next time